You're listening to Amplify Art's Alternate Currents interview series. Alternate Currents opens space for conversation, discussion, and action around national and international issues in the arts that have a profound impact at the local level. This interview series is just one part of the Alternate Currents blog, a dedicated online resource linking readers to topical articles, interviews, and critical writing that shine a spotlight on artist-led policy platforms, cross-sector partnerships, and artist-driven community change. Visit often and join the conversation at amplifyarts.org backslash alternate currents. We recently sat down with artists Lydia Cheshawala and Sarah Rowe to talk about Grounding, their highly collaborative exhibition at Amplify's Generator Space in Omaha, which explored reciprocal human and more-than-human kinship systems through acts of somatic co-regulation with place, land, and earth. My name is Lydia Cheshawala, and I'm a transdisciplinary artist um, living and working across the ecological landscape of the Great Plains. Uh, I'm an Osage woman, and my work primarily focuses on healing and community and kinship and environmentalism and uh, empathy. Uh, those are the things that I'm really passionate about, and those are what guide my practice and the creation of this show, Grounding. Uh, Sarah, take it away with your intro. Thanks, Lydia. Um, I'm Sarah Rowe. I'm a multimedia artist based in Omaha. I am Ponca and Lakota. Um, my work spans a lot of mediums, um, but is always focused on community and care, especially land stewardship and care for the other beings we share this planet with. Absolutely. I feel like um, those similarities between our work and obviously also just like being friends uh, and you being, you know, one of the first artists, but also indigenous artists that I met when I was living in Nebraska. Um, this show just seemed to make sense for us to make a work of art together make an exhibit together. Um, and yeah, for, for me, I think kind of what led to this show or this concept is knowing that I was gonna be working with you um, and being interested in kind of our tribal relationalities, uh, where we both come from uh, currently, you know, me having come from Oklahoma originally and uh, kind of meeting in a place where our tribal ancestry like existed together thousands of years ago um, and us both being part of indigenous tribes that were mound builders that were part of Cahokia um, and then who we are now, you know, like what it's like to be a contemporary native and for both of us to have the practices that we have, like in a contemporary society as contemporary people. Um, it's interesting for me, you know, kind of coming, I think, from differences of background as far as like rural and uh, urban even though those seem often like really kind of false dichotomies because, you know, I think maybe in a shared opinion like that, uh, you know, where, where does like nature end and like civilization, you know, human civilization, I guess, like begin, like how do we draw these distinctions? Um, 
even though I know that they're also real because in my conversations with people who are in highly urban areas, uh, as opposed to a rural part of the state, um, there's kind of like, you know, tree blindness, like people forget that they're actually in nature or surrounded by nature. So kind of like exploring those concepts was exciting to me. And yeah, I think both of us being very passionate about land, both of us being very passionate about healing practices, uh, having a show that literally is just kind of like the like Gen Z saying, like, just touch some grass, <laughs> like get out there and just like actually put your hands in some dirt and realize that like it's it's accessible, it's right there. Um, also, I think as artists and, you know, uh, the art doesn't have to be inaccessible or it doesn't have to be so precious. It actually can be um, dirt. <laughs> and, you know, I think playing too with the idea that all art is derivative from earth material, uh, even as we've moved into more synthetic forms of materials, such as like acrylic paint, like those. Yeah, I was going to say, Sorry to interject, but oh, no. touch on that, I think is really important um, that you say just dirt, but as we've talked about this material, this, this relative, this living being, the dirt, the soil, the mud, um, everything that that's in it is more complex than we can even fathom. It's much more complex than any synthetic material that we use in art making. So Absolutely. it's really interesting to return to that, to make these marks, which were seen as primitive and uncivilized. And these are the very things that, that make our museums, you know, these artifacts like made with these substances. So it's, very strange concept when you think about it. It's an easy one to spiral out into. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's what I love about it is it's like it's taking something that seems so, um, you know, passed over or literally walked upon. Like you're not noticing it, you're just moving over it. Um, and I think so many people, you know, kind of in the Western world have that idea of land you know that it's a, especially like the middle of the country especially like nebraska kansas oklahoma like all the great plains states um they've always really been viewed as this place for like passing through it's just like a place you pass over they're flyover states you know um and then to kind of yeah like re-elevate that relationship to like yeah it's the earth that supports you it's it's the land that you're on and it's it's not just any dirt, like it's, it's the dirt of this place. It's dirt with a deep history. It's deep, deep lineages. It's tied to people. It's tied to, you know, place obviously. And um, also to histories that, you know, supersede human histories. They're histories that are deeply just about the land itself. Um, and that was something that's really exciting to me about kind of working, working with the medium that we chose. And, you know, yeah, like thinking of it too, of like as a medium when it's like, is, a, is it a medium or is it a collaborator? Um, when we're thinking in terms of kinship, when we're thinking in terms of more than human beings, um, you know, 
land is an entity and soil is like a collaboration of multiple entities. Uh, just the amount of organisms that exist within, you know, a single teaspoon of soil is just more than there are even humans on the planet, which is interesting to think about and hard to think about sometimes because of, you know, size discrepancy, I guess. It's hard for us to consider microbes. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I think it can be hard for humans to really come out of the human scale or around uh, anthropocentrism, I guess, like. So yeah, I was really um, enjoying playing with those concepts for those reasons. And yeah, what does it mean to invite a community in to interface with their own land, with their own area, with their own place? Um, and kind of what conversations can come out of that or how can it impact people or how will people relate to it? Um, and yeah, I guess what the nuances are or how to even like, how much do you say and how do you, how much do you let people just like experience and feel? Right, I think creating that open space that was really based on play, it became kind of a dance. And I love that you describe the soil as a collaborator and not a material, um, as were the people that joined us for the opening, um, especially on that collective wall mural. Um, it was like watching this cosmic dance, you know? Um, the way things move and collide and grow and build. Um, and that's exactly what's under our feet and above our heads always. Um, and just to be a connector uh, in a very small but meaningful way in that story and hopefully spark people's interest and hopefully ignite some passion for uh, protecting nature um is the ultimate goal i think because we all have different connections as you said um and indigenous wisdom is really important in that but um yeah that that is one challenge especially living in an urban setting is how do you find those connections and build community um and you know we're still having these initial conversations about land back and people don't know what that means and how it benefits everyone. Um, and it's not about vengeance or, or rage or anything. Um, it's about healing. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, the land back is so like near and dear to so many of our hearts. Um, especially as we move into climate change, um, move into, we've been in it, <laughs> um, unfortunately. For a couple hundred years, yeah. We're, we're way, way more in it now than, you know, it, it has seemed. Um, but yeah, I think bringing people into an awareness no matter how large or small, is all very crucial. Um, reminding people that they, you know, that they're allowed to have that relationality. Um, 
because that relationality to the world doesn't just belong to indigenous people, even though I feel like we really like, you know, embody it through our belief systems. Um, you know, the earth is, that, that relationship is all of ours. We're all, all part of it. It's all, it is all related. And um, I think that, you know, when we can kind of, touch in with that idea that it's all related, that it's all part of the same system, that it's all informing itself, like, then I think that there is kind of like a sense of responsibility towards healing that comes forward. Um, and hopefully yeah. a natural desire for it. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I feel drawn to it. I think, yeah, I mean, obviously we both feel very drawn to it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I want to take good care of my relatives, my more than human relatives, because they, they do take such good care of me. Like, who would I be if not for this whole planet? Who would I be if like not for the land and the soil and the sky and the air and the plants and the animals and rocks, you know? Like, who would any of us be? Um, right. Had we not the all come up together? The earthworms and the bees are more important than we are. So yeah, yeah, we need to humble ourselves and just respect that and be grateful to be where we are, especially in the food chain. <laughs> yeah. And to just realize that like, you know, just because we've been able to conceptualize separation, um, you know, through consciousness or whatever we would like to say belongs just to humans. Um, it's not necessarily like that true. I mean, I was reading something uh, the other day that is basically saying that uh, we share like a, a quarter of our DNA with trees. So even though like we've made these kind of diverted paths like we're really still not different from all of the things around us um and I think that's really beautiful I think that's really great um yeah it is and I love that you speak about trees too I mean that's a whole other topic but um when I was young and coming into my own and feeling anxious about my place in the world and how I'm going to find my way. And, um, I, I don't know who said it, maybe, you know, but, um, and I'll say it wrong and less eloquently, but it's something like you, you have every right to be here just as the trees. And when you like really listen to those little simple truths it puts things into perspective as well and you can breathe and see your path clearly again yeah absolutely yeah it was exciting too to do this work because you know like it's interesting to be, I think, a contemporary Indigenous artist and, well, really, it's interesting, I think, to be any artist, um, particularly in America, uh, doing any type of work or art related to land or to ephemerality 
uh, or with nature even, anything that is like, yeah, directly impacting, influencing, changing, shaping, or part of remediation, renewal. Uh, something that's always struck me about when I started kind of really focusing, I guess, in this direction for the way that I work is it's always, it always seems to get contextualized um, kind of in the Western canon of when land art, you know, quote unquote, the land art movement started, which is like in the 60s by like a bunch of white guys. And, you know, like not knocking that because I love a lot of that work. Andy Goldsworthy, yes, I love yeah. that. I love your work, you know, like, um, <laughs> But for me, it's like, I always like to point out that the, this work actually started a long time ago, that like early humans, humans have always been land artists. And especially in North America, you know, uh, especially speaking to the region, like, I mean, Cahokia was like <laughs> right over there. Like, and that was like a huge, like mound city. Like that is land art. And arguably, you know, even to me, uh, the processes of prescribed burning and, you know, caretaking for prairie land, for prairie ecology, that's land art too. I mean, the prairie ecosystem in the middle of the country, the remaining remnants of it, they are what they are, not just because that's how they are, but they are that way because of the relationship humans have made with those places, with those plants, with the soil processes, with grazing animals, with insects, and with knowing how all those things work together. Um, so I feel like, you know, it's interesting to have, I think, work like this kind of contextualized in a Western canon when for me, I'm like, no, it's just part of everything, you know? It's just part of like the experience of being human. It's, it's, it's deeply indigenous, it's deeply um, human. Uh, and so I, I, yeah, I love to point to that, especially like, because, you know, we had a small mound in the gallery uh, that you had built, Sarah. And uh, I just love that. Like, I think that's so, so important. I saw this art piece one time and it was called something like uh, Objects That Happen Again. And I like that as like an idea of like being an artist, like we're always pulling things through time. And yeah, even though our mound was small, um, <laughs> I think it's still very impactful uh, that it was created by two indigenous artists who come from Cahokia lineage uh, in the area of where our people were originally um, back into that space. I think that's really beautiful. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and Cahokia is obviously a very special and powerful place. Um, I was really, saddened and not surprised that I had never learned that history um, in my education, early education. Um, and when I moved to St. Louis, I was fascinated to visit that site. Um, 
and just being in the presence of that ancient history, um, knowing that we learned about the pyramids and here we have all these ancient mounds that outdate the pyramids, but um, a lot of them have of course been bulldozed and built on, so their histories are buried. Um, yeah, and then just learning about the Ohlone mounds and around San Francisco um, has been fascinating. So I loved that we built our tiny mound. I think it becomes part of that storytelling that's really important. Yeah, and I, I mean, whether people I feel like, you know, instantly think of that or not, like I think it's, you know, it's a good way to continue to like nod to and acknowledge our own histories, like our pre-American histories. Um, you know, this, this, this land uh, of Turtle Island has really been through a lot, uh, especially over the last several hundred years. And the land remembers. And I think it's important that we remember it as well, that it's not this like, that it's not out of relationship, you know, that we remember these relationships um, that exist through, through place and through land um, that proceed through time. Uh, it was really, I think, cool for me too, like, you know, I had only lived in Nebraska for about seven months. I had come up there to do that uh, land management and prescribe fire training through the Lincoln Parks and Rec. And, um, you know, so to come like kind of as like a stranger to the, to the area, to the land, uh, and to learn about it was really exciting. And then to kind of reflect that back to a community that like, you know, when you're on it all the time, it can become like disenchanting, you know, like when you're constantly seeing like what, what you see, it becomes familiar. And then sometimes, you know, if we allow it, it can fall out of like, um, kind of like it can fall out of the sublime, like it, it stops being like the magical thing you see. Um, and so it was fun for me to kind of come in as like an outsider and you know absolutely fall in love with the land uh and to have the opportunity to then reflect that back to the community that like you know i love this community and i love where you are and i love this land and like oh my gosh you guys are so lucky like you're so lucky to have this land and to be here and um you know the soil that i brought in was lust soil which is actually spread finely all over nebraska um and then it piles up into the Lust Hills over uh, just across the border into Iowa. And, you know, just being totally fascinated and smitten by this uh, really, really fine glacial dust uh, that just has this deep lineage of being like formed thousands of years ago when there were still glaciers on, you know, this continent. like you know, just so predating us, like, <laughs> uh, just so much more wise than us, like having so much more experience and like, also being so like giving to us. I mean, the soil is so abundantly rich from those extreme processes that it went through, um, that it's, you know, 
somewhat unfortunately part of why there's so much big ag in the area is because of the lushness of the soil like because of the lushness of that deep time uh, but to bring that soil into the gallery and it ranges from uh, 12,500 years old to 159,000 years old um, that's just like you know almost even beyond what I can conceptualize like it's like a little time machine that just like takes me back before I was even a thought, you know? Um, and to, you know, kind of bring that magic back to remind people that like, you know, this is right here. This is like, it's yours. Like you're on it. You're surrounded by it. It's blowing through the air. It's actually deeply in the water <laughs> like uh you know it's what it's what's growing your food it's what's growing food for the nation it's what's keeping us nourished and it's highly valuable because of that and then it's like you know I would say that it's like also invaluable like you can't actually put a price on what keeps us alive uh what sustains us um, and so, yeah, that was really fun for me, you know. Yeah. I don't have less in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I need to get to Oklahoma, have another conversation there. Um, yes. I think it's important to talk about, yeah, that disenchantment or taking things for granted, especially the things that sustain us, the things we come from, the things we will return to. Um, to not be daily reminded of that daily is really dangerous. Um, and that's why I think um, our daily rituals, um, sacred or not, we just need to be intentional about them and they should be a, a reminder or a blessing or, or you know, showing our gratitude for these things. And it can be something so simple, um, as you said, like just putting your hands in that dirt. Um, and just saying thank you. Uh, and that's definitely um, the catalyst for a lot of the quote unquote ceremony I do or rituals I do in gallery spaces, trying to charge that space. So it's not just like looking at art in a gallery, it becomes more of um, an exchange and then storytelling happens and um, a deeper appreciation for our time on this earth hopefully happens and it hopefully it ignites inspiration for others to do what they do best to connect in that way in a really deep and meaningful way with whatever their work is. Um, but yeah, I like my daily ritual throughout this whole pandemic has just been getting on my bike to say hello to my bird friends and I feel like I'm five years old every time I see this one blue heron when he comes and visits once in a while. It's, I mean, I never see that in the city, but the birds started coming in more. Um, and I've seen brown and white pelicans in Omaha. Like, it's unreal. It's usually just geese who I love, you know, and owls or, you know, um, songbirds. I love them all, but just to see the new friends that have come through over these past couple of years as people have been doing more deep reflection and 
um, staying at home and letting the animals roam a little more. Uh, wow. So yeah, I try to bring gifts for them and put them in the soil um, because they only let us see them when they want to be seen. So I know that it's a gift to see a, a blue heron. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's really important too is acknowledgement, like acknowledging that like, uh, that we are sharing this planet. Like, uh, I another thing I read that is just like totally unsourced in my brain right now, uh, but it was an in, entomologist, is that the, the name for the people who study bugs? <laughs> um, but it was a scientist who was speaking on like, you know, that they've watched like the sharp decline of insects over like the course of the last like several years. And because they're so small, like, or because they're so obnoxious to us at times, like that we're just kind of like, whatever, we don't even think about them. And uh, part of his ritual, part of his acknowledgement was to wake up every morning and to just say, somebody's missing. And it was his way of staying tuned in to the loss that was happening. Um, because that loss of insect, you know, life, it underpins everything. I mean, we don't exist without insects. Like if insects go away, so do humans. So does everything. Right. Um, it's just, we, we are so like arms linked in this together. And I do love that like during the pandemic when humans had to be a little more sequestered in their activities that we did see the the reflourishing of you know all of our animal kin back into these spaces that we you know have stolen from them and that we don't like to share mm. um, and I love seeing that like you know kind of the human response I think to noticing these things again I think that we are moving towards more acts of remediation. I think people have been more interested in how to like, you know, share this planet in a way that like keeps us all moving forward so that we don't lose each other, so that we, we don't have to grieve so many losses. Um, and yeah, I think also like what to your point about like, you know, building the rituals and having these moments where people can like come in and experience more than just art. Um, you know, during the opening, we had live music and we also burned medicines and, you know, it was like, it was fun. It was conversational. Like there was like, you know, a, a, a noise floor that was happening that was not just conversation. Um, there was like an ambiance, like we set a vibe, you know, <laughs> like yeah. we set a vibe and, uh, you know, that is ceremony. That is important. It is intentional. Um, it brings people more wholly into a space. Uh, it allows them to, I think, you know, open up a little more and experience it differently. Uh, I think it does kind of take away some of that, you know, like Western art canon preciousness and brings it more into a realness, more into a connected place where, you know, people don't have to be scared that like, they're, oh, we're, if we get too close, we're going to mess it up. It's like, 
no, we're actually encouraging you to like put your hands in some dirt and then like put them on this wall, which, you know, I think can feel so taboo in like white cube spaces to like, oh, we're going to actually like intentionally dirty a wall. Um, but I think that, yeah, that, that that's important. It's, it, it breaks people out of their, their own preconceived ideas about really what anything is or can be. Right. We do have the choice every day and we're changing the narrative, hopefully, however slowly it is changing. Um, And I think just with the thoughtful conversations within that space was really eye-opening with people from many different walks of life. There was so much thoughtful conversation and insight and beautiful questions And I really hope that people walked away feeling nourished and grounded as the show (laughs) was intended to do. Um, I think, yeah, carrying out those medicines that they were basking in, their clothes were soaked in, um, is, is good medicine for everyone. I think that was really special to share that. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. It was, and it was, it was so great seeing like, you know, there were some people that came in that it's like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I just don't know that if I would have ever pegged to see people like coming into a, a gallery space like that. Like, I'm like, this seems so maybe out of your comfort zone. And yet here you are in this space, like, and yeah, you just put your hand in some dirt and you're doing it. And like, oh, thank goodness, you know, like, thank goodness that like, we can get away from our preconceived notions of even each other. Um, thank goodness that we can, you know, maybe even get away from our preconceived notions of self and just like allow ourselves to participate like in community, in life. Um, and yeah, like I think definitely like those kinds of touchstones like to me feel very healing, to me feel very grounding. Um, like quite literally, like it's dirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it. the words we use, they're on the nose, but they should be, you know? It, these are the simple truths and we clearly need to return to them because we're in a dire situation. Yeah. So yeah, we do need to go back to our childlike selves that have that wonder and curiosity. Yeah, so, play. Yeah. Play <laughs> is so important. I feel like, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a walk back. I feel like growing up, like there's like a pressure to like grow up, you know? Like there's a pressure to become serious or like jaded or like... Um, you know, just to have like a no frivolity. And I feel like it's kind of been a long walk back away from that, like realizing that I just disagree, like not just as an artist, but as a human, like with the notion of like, you can't have fun, you can't play. Like if you're a certain age, it's just like you walk out of that realm. It's like, no, I actually don't believe that. I think it's really like remains crucial for humans to, yeah, like, laugh, like pun, be on the nose, like have a silly time, Um, not let their seriousness or even like our, 
you know, are, are kind of these like boxes that we have to like check, like to actually box us in, um, to just have, have a good time, like any, any time, anywhere we can. Um, and to extend that to others, like to play with us, like that's the only way I feel like we're going to get through anything is if we're all like, yeah, like grabbing hands and laughing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise we're definitely doomed. Yeah. <laughs> Humor is key. <laughs> Humor is so key. Man. But yeah, I just, I love too that it was like, it felt very simplistic, you know? And like, I think what I love a lot about some things that appear simple is that they rarely ever are. Um, like there's so much complexity in everything. I got a pocket microscope recently and it's just kind of driving that point home for me that I'm just like, oh, look at this like little tiny nothing. And then I look at it under a microscope and I'm like, whoa, look at this billion something, you know, like it's just. Okay, that's going on my Christmas list. I want oh, one of those. It's so great. I'm just like <laughs> looking at everything. I feel That's really cool. blessed right now because I have like, you know, three sets of eyes. I've got like my regular eyes that just let me see the world. And then I have like my pocket microscope that's like letting me see this like micro world. And then I have like a pair of binoculars that seem to be magical. And every time I put them to my face, I see eagles, which is not even a lie. Like every time I've like lifted those binoculars, I've seen eagles. Um, it's just very exciting to have, um, I think, the ability to shift our perspective in so many ways. Yeah. I bought myself two travel kaleidoscopes. They look like little marine machine, like old uh, ship parts or something. I don't know. They look like little ancient doodads, and I feel really great carrying them in my pockets and turning the world into fractals. So. Yes. Yeah, I think just having a small shift in your perspective in that way is is play and um, is get offers a way to inspect your environment in a wholly new way, which is really exciting. Um, totally. I just I feel like play is the way back in. It's like you know I feel like sometimes people can get kind of like yeah, like with ritual, they're like, well, I don't know how, or like, I don't know what it is, or I'm not invited. And it's like, you know, it can, it can be anything. It's, it's the intentionality you were speaking to. It, it's, you wake up and you say good morning to the sun, and that's a ritual. Like, you take a drink of water, and you thank the water for like nourishing you, and that's a ritual. Like, you take your pocket kaleidoscope out in the world, and you look at like, all the different ways the world can be. And that's a ritual. Um, I think, yeah, play is a way back into to deep meaning, uh, to deep connection, to joy, <laughs> which is really important in, in terms of survivance, you know? Um, right. And to appreciation, like, when you're, when you're constantly expressing gratitude or when you're constantly noticing things, like, there's an acknowledgement that, you know, inherently, I think, leads to an appreciation or hopefully, you know, leads to an appreciation. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. And then you realize that life is magic and it can just be magic. Yeah. And why would you want it to be anything else? Yeah.